Obviously, what do you use a fishing rod for? Fraser. Catching fish. Have you ever been fishing? No, okay, we've got to sort that one out. Fishing rod for going fishing. Now, in the passage we read, it wasn't a fishing rod they used. Was it Samuel? Do you know what they used to catch fish? What else can you use? Eden. A net. That's right, they used a net. And they were going out fishing. Now, you see, when I go fishing, I don't mind if I don't catch anything well. Not much. Because fishing is very relaxing. But these men, they were fishing, and that was their job. Peter and the disciples went out fishing. And what did they find? They weren't catching anything at all until Jesus came along and he shouted out to them and then they caught, it says, can you see in the Bible how many large fish they caught? Who was watching? Who was listening? Go on, Josiah, what is it? 153. You know, I love the wee details in the Bible that kind of make you realize this is not a fable. The 153 has no meaning. It just means there was 153 fish. You don't try and work out what the secret code is. It's just there was 153 fish that they caught. Now, let me just say something about Peter and his reactions because, let's see, I'm just going to put three, there's three scriptures up there and there's three things I want to say about Peter very quickly. First of all, Peter identified who Jesus was. He was probably the first person to really get who Jesus was. A lot of people don't get who Jesus is, but Peter got who Jesus was, and he knew who Jesus was. Secondly, you'll see up there that he failed him. In John 18, it talks about how Jesus, Peter said he would follow Jesus, and then when he was asked, are you one of Jesus' disciples? He said no, and three times he said no, and he even swore that that wasn't the case. He failed him. And then the third thing is what we've got here at the resurrection, that Peter runs to Christ. He's out on the boat, and I love this detail. And they're fishing. They haven't caught anything. Jesus stands there, tells them to throw the net over the right side. They pull in 153 fish. John, who's fishing with Peter, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. And Peter, because he was quite an impulsive guy, He was fishing, and he was fishing in his t-shirt and shorts. Well, all his outer clothes were off, it says. And he grabbed his jacket. I don't understand why he did this, because he grabbed his jacket, and he jumped into the water. I think I would have just jumped in without the jacket. But anyway, he put his jacket on, or put his outer clothes on, and went to Jesus. Now, the rest, they took the boat in bit by bit. But Peter was in such a rush to get to Jesus that he jumped out the boat. I don't know... I say this to the children as well, but um, if you've ever been really, really, really pleased to see somebody, you know, um, your boyfriend's coming off the plane and you see them and you jump the customs barrier and run and hug them, you know, that kind of thing. Or um, just, just you're so, so happy to see someone. Like every time I go home, my family rush out the door before I get there just because they're so glad to see me. No, it's, it's just that kind of thing that you're, you're so delighted to see someone. Well, Peter was thrilled to see Jesus. And I, I want to suggest to you why. One, of course, is the absolute amazing miracle of the resurrection. Now, he'd seen him before, but it just to, to, to have 
Jesus raised from the dead. Imagine how disappointed Peter was when Jesus was killed. Everything in his life was wrecked. Everything was turned. He'd given up everything to follow Jesus, and Jesus was killed. But then to have Jesus come alive, it just, to the end of his days, Peter would be walking around, the, not just on Easter, saying Christ is risen. He'd say Christ is risen everywhere he went. It was just the most important thing in his life. But also because of this, and I say this to those of us who are Christians, if you're not a Christian, it is very important that you understand that Jesus is alive and what that means. But if you are a Christian, one of the things I think that's important about Peter is this, that he, he'd let Jesus down. Now, see when you hurt somebody and you let somebody down and you don't see them. Your mind goes round and round and round, your heart's in turmoil, and you wonder, will they speak to me again? Will they ever, you know, how can I ever be their friend again? What will they think of me? You are in dread at how they are going to react to you. And you don't hear from them and you don't see them and then suddenly they are there. They're at your door. And you are just so glad to see them. And Peter was so glad because uh, we read on, we'll read on in a moment about how Jesus kind of reinstates Peter as uh, the leader in the church. But he ran to Jesus because it was just so wonderful, these two things, that Jesus was alive and that Jesus still accepted him. And I think if you're a Christian, it is one of the most wonderful things, in, in fact, it is the most wonderful thing in the world. I can't think of anything better than this, that to know this morning that Jesus is alive and to know that he accepts you. If you're not a Christian, look what you're missing. Chocolate, Easter eggs, bunnies, all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. It's great. I'm not decrying any of that. But I'm just saying the real thing. Get the real thing. It really is quite extraordinary to know the living Savior. We're going to start and we'll continue. We'll read from verse 15. After they'd had their breakfast... When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die, but Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. 
Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, what we've got here is now Peter, they have uh, breakfast. Jesus and Peter and the disciples have breakfast together. And let me ask the kids, what do you, what do you think they had for breakfast? It's quite easy, really, Joss. Fish. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I hunted deep and wide for a fish. I phoned John Cooper. All I could come up with this, okay? So that's not, well, it is actually, there's fish in this. That's why they're called fish fingers. Do you like these, Samuel? Yeah, you love them. I can see you're licking your lips. I will give you these as a present to take home for your lunch. Fish fingers, but they had fish over a fire. It's actually really, really nice if you've ever caught your own fish and then cooked it. It's a great, it tastes a hundred times better than anything else when you catch your own fish and you cook them. And Jesus is there and he, I think one of the reasons he does that is so they realize it's not a ghost. Jesus did really have a physical body when he rose from the dead. And also he's sitting having a meal together and, and just sharing. That's what the Christian faith is about, by the way. It's not about having formal religious services rituals and then going away and getting on with real life. It's about sitting at the table with Jesus. It's about that being part of your whole life. It affects everything in terms of your whole life. Jesus then talks to Peter and he asks him three times, do you truly love me? Now, I think that just one or two things to say here. I love the way that Jesus approaches Peter. There's a I think sometimes he deals with us at one level before he really begins to address the real deep issues in our lives. I think that he calls him, it's very interesting, it's very subtle, he calls him Simon. But Jesus had changed his name from Simon to Peter. And what is Jesus saying? See, Peter means the rock. And Jesus is saying, Simon, are you really the rock? Do you really want to be Peter? Or are you going back? And Peter's saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I'm Peter. I am the rock. I'm, I'm, I'm the person you, you called me to be. I love the fact that all the little details here, Peter denied Jesus by a fire. He was standing by a fire warming himself in a courtyard when people asked him, do you follow Jesus? And he said, no. I love the fact that here he is at a fire having breakfast and Jesus says, do you follow me? And he says, yes. I love the fact that three times he's denied Three times, he now affirms his love for Jesus. I love the the, the gentle rebuke in there, and I love the question, not do you fear me, not do you honor me, but do you love me? Do you love me? I think he says, do you love me more than these? It could mean, "Do do you love me more than your friends love me? Because Peter had boasted The rest of them will fall away. They may fall away, but I won't. And maybe Jesus is kind of testing him a little bit, saying, are you going to boast again? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I love you more than my friends love you. Maybe he's saying, do you you love me more than everything around, more than your job, more than your friends, more than your family? Well, he doesn't. He just says, you know, Lord, how much I love you. And again, it's interesting in the original language, 
The first two questions are used asking a word which means deep affection for and um, something very important. But the third one uses the word agape, which means sacrificial love. In other words, are you really prepared this time to follow me? Last time you denied me to a servant girl in front of a fire. Now are you going to follow me all the way because I'm telling you this is how you are going to die. And he's telling Peter that he's going to die a martyr's death as an old man not being able to dress himself. He's going to die on a cross, basically. That's, and that is what, as far as we know, that is what happened to Peter. So it's not Jesus coming and saying, look, I'm alive, now everything's going to be great. He's saying, look, I'm alive, now are you prepared to follow me? Now do you get it? Now do you understand? And Peter's saying, yes, Lord, I've got it. I get it. I understand. So the first question I think we get asked is simply, do we love Jesus? Then he asked him to do something else, and I see if I've got this up here. I've managed to get this on. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted. Now, can you see, what is that? Never mind the one with the red hair. Can anyone tell me? Now, Emma Jane, you did give me permission, so that's, you see. What is Emma Jane holding there? Fraser. A lamb. And what color is the lamb? Catherine? Black, a black lamb. That is a place in a place called Port Mahomet, which we're going to go up there tomorrow, and they're lambing just now. And these black lambs, that was the cutest lamb that you'll ever see. Of course, with the cutest girl that you'll ever see. But it's just the lamb. Now, when a lamb's born, and we'll go up this week, and there'll be lambs will be born. You go out in the morning, and another one's popped out. And uh, when a lamb's born, how big is it? How big is the lamb? Don't worry, Emma Jane, I'm going to get rid of it soon. Eden, do you have lambs at your, at your house? No? No, they're, the lambs, they're, they're small and they're tiny, but they need to be fed, and they need to be looked after. And that picture there, I'll take it down because that's, I'll, I'll let you see it later, but that is what Jesus asked Peter to do. He says, listen, Peter, lots and lots and lots of people are going to believe. I came to save millions of people. They are going to believe but they're not going to be super Christians straight away. They're going to be sheep. They're going to be lambs. Feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my lambs. And Jesus is really saying, look, if you love me, will you care for my people? Three times Jesus is, uh, Peter is told to feed Christ's people. Let me say this to those, again, those of you who are Christians. It is really, really hard to love the people of God. Why? because we're all sinners and we all do things that are wrong. If you're not a Christian and you come into the church here and you're thinking, wow, these lot are super saints, get rid of that image because we are not. We are horrible people in lots of ways. We, we can put on faces. We do things. We, we let people down. We live lives that are hypocritical at times. Don't expect the church to be perfect. It's not like that. But we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, and we want to, to grow to become more like Jesus Christ. But it is hard to love God's people and to care for God's people. And I think that it's impossible until, first of all, you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, then you will love his people. You will look at your brother and sister, and instead of seeing somebody who's hurt you or someone who's let you down, you'll see somebody whom Jesus died for. And because you love Jesus, you will love them. 
to serve the Lord, the risen Christ. Do you love me? We serve him and we follow him. In verse 19, um, he says to Peter, follow me, just after he's told him how he's going to die. And then Peter straight away goes wrong. I love this. I mean, it's just, you'd love this, this story you'd want to end with Peter following Jesus and everything right. But straight away he goes wrong because he looks at John and he says, okay, you've told me how I'm going to die. What about him? What about him? And Jesus says, basically, that's none of your business. If I want him to remain alive, that's my business. And of course, a rumor then starts in the church that, oh, John's never going to die until Jesus returns. So it must have been a big shock for them when John eventually did die. He was the last of the apostles as far as we know to die. But the important thing here is what Jesus says to Peter is, look, I'm not telling you everything. That's not your business. You just follow me. I am the risen Christ. You follow me. You serve my people. You help people. You do what you can. You follow me. And for us, it's very simple. We shouldn't be distracted by unnecessary worries and speculations about the future or about God's secret will for others. We always just follow Jesus and we always just begin again with Jesus. Now, again, let me just apply this to those of us. Uh, well, let me say, first of all, to those of you who are not yet Christians, or maybe, maybe you are, and you have turned away from God, and you want to come back to God. That's the point of the resurrection. There's always a way back to God, through Christ and through what He has done. And you very basically have a very, very simple choice. When you came into this building you didn't realize that you were going to ask to choose. It's like when it comes to the election. You go into the polling booth and you're given a piece of paper and you're asked to choose who you are going to vote for. Even if you write on the piece of paper none of the above or you cross it up or you get up and walk out, you're making an actual choice, a choice that affects things. When you came into this building and heard about Jesus, right now you make a choice and the choice is simple. Do I follow this Jesus or do I not? Is he worth following? He, I mean, he absolutely is worth following. And I would encourage you to do so. For those of us who are Christians, I would just simply say this. We, we are under enormous pressure in our culture. Enormous pressure. In our personal lives, we are under enormous pressure. And I'll tell you why. And I'm more and more convinced of this. Our culture is in an enormous mess. And the church is probably worse than the culture because the church professes to proclaim the name of Christ. And yet, if you'd listen to the radio this morning, I, I think I heard three services this morning, and every single one of them was wet and pathetic and spineless and virtually nothing to do with Jesus except a lot of empty words. You know, and you could just, you, you know, you want to throw something at the radio or, or just, you just think, what? How did we get to this? How did we get from Jesus coming to a fisherman at the seashore, having breakfast with him and saying, listen, do you love me? And if you love me, this is how you're going to die. To the kind of rubbish that gets regurgitated in, in so many churches, not all, 
But it, it's, it's there a lot. And even in the, what we call the evangelical church, churches that teach and preach the Bible, we hide behind our traditions because we, we just don't have the heart and the soul and the passion to live for Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in a Jesus who's in a stained glass window. I'm interested in a Jesus who has breakfast with me. I'm interested in a Jesus who is with me every single part of my life, even a Jesus who says, you follow me, it's really tough. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, let me tell you, if you don't have that Christianity, the Christianity that you have will fall apart and collapse. It will never stand under the kind of opposition that we face. But it will always stand if you follow the, the, the real Christ, if you live following the living Lord. I'm going to finish just reading a strange verse for Easter in one way. It's out of Lamentations. Lamentations is a book in the Old Testament where God's people were under enormous pressure, where they're being tremendously persecuted, where they'd given up, where they were really, really depressed. And in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 17, I read this. I have been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. In other words, here he is saying, I am so depressed because of all the things that have been happening and are happening to me. Yet, he says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God's mercies are new every morning. I love this time of year. I love the spring. I love the fact that things start growing again. Uh, I love the fact that um, I did something unusual yesterday. I did a little bit of gardening and cut back some bushes. I hope I did the right thing. But anyway, I, I got to work and, you know, start snipping and then start with the, the shears as well. And basically with the saw, uh, again, the, you know, so they're, they're well pruned, these, these bushes. They really are well, well pruned. But it's, for me, it's incredible. They are so bare and naked now. You're taking all that stuff off. But within a month, there will be there'll be new growth. There will be leaves and flowers, at least I hope so. Um, I haven't killed them. I'm not a good gardener, but God is. Jesus says, my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. I think it is wonderful that those of us who are Christians, we know this. We know that there is renewal it's not just in the springtime. It's not just at Easter that we remember the risen Christ. It's every Lord's Day, every Sunday. That's why we meet on a Sunday. But in a sense, it's also every day. God's mercies are new every morning, and the only way we know that and the guarantee of that is the risen Christ. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word to us. Thank you for it. Help us to apply it. May those of us who don't know you come to know you. May they see, O oh Lord, that it's just not 
a story in a book, but a living Lord who is present with us. And we pray for those of us who are your people, who have been battered and bruised and discouraged and beaten up all over the place, that we lift our eyes away from the storms around us and within us to you, the risen Christ. Lord, you are the guarantee of our resurrection. You are the guarantee of our salvation. You are our life. To whom else can we turn? Lord, you know that we love you. We desire to serve you. Help us to do so. In your name, amen.